the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Hey, everybody. Good afternoon. Great to be with you today on the Pastor Scott Show. We're 3 to 5 every day. We talk about the issues of the day from a Christian perspective. You can call and join the conversation now, 888-528-2557, And uh, you can call at any time there. Tonight, if you are paying attention to uh, News in the World, it's, it's kind of making a uh, you know, a lot of waves, although I don't know if it's going to matter at all, is this debate that is on the Sean Hannity program on TV between Governor Newsom and Governor DeSantis, Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis, of course, is actually running for president, and uh, so is Governor Newsom, if you ask me. And um, But it is interesting that two guys, you know, officially, obviously, Governor Newsom hasn't thrown his hat in the ring, but um, clearly he's running now or running for 2028. Governor DeSantis is running. He is second nationally. It'll be interesting to see how all that turns out. But it's an interesting debate because some people are saying this is a preview of 28. Some people think maybe it's a preview of 24, really. Um, I don't really know. I am still on the page, and this isn't about a political statement. This is just a little wager I've got going with uh, Big Wave Dave and some other people about um, whether or not Biden is going to be the nominee. I say he's not going to be the nominee. Joe Biden is very much alive. Well, thank you, Madam Vice President. I know, but um, he, I think for age-related reasons, um, he won't be. That's that's my opinion. I might be completely wrong. I had this conversation with Dave today, and uh, he says, uh, nope, he's looking forward to the stake. I'm going to have to buy him after the election next year. But uh, I don't know. So maybe uh, maybe Governor Newsom is that. Do you think it'll make any difference? And I think what's going to happen is I think they're going to argue and talk over each other. I think that's probably what's going to happen. But what I hope happens, and this ought to happen in any other debate, I hope that there is a robust debate over substantive, substantive issues, homelessness, education, test scores, the national debt, you know, those kinds of things, because they do have a different attitude about it, both of these guys. They do have a different opinion. Both of them are actually, as executives of their state, have made decisions that have impacted their states in all of those areas. I think that matters. Anyway, I hope that's something that that happens uh, through all of that. It's got me thinking, though, that so often our cultural debates and uh, even the debates that we have with each other sometimes – I don't mean you and me, but uh, we, although we can, because you can call the number and, and uh, talk to me about whatever, and you can disagree, that's fine. You know, the Bible actually has a lot to say about not getting tied up, particularly as Christians, in things that will ultimately distract from the gospel and the purpose of the church or the purpose of your calling as a Christian. And there is a tension, I think, and I feel it, you know, on this show where we do talk about issues of the day, and I think it matters that we are able to have a real conversation because the people in your life that you're going to have a discussion with about politics or you're going to watch this debate, 
and uh, you're going to talk about it. I think in the coming year, you'll get more and more interested. We vote in California in March, right? Those are issues or what we're seeing on the news with the protests going on and disrupting uh, community, you know, Christmas tree events. There's so many things that you do have a conversation about. How do you make sure as a Christian that you can have a reasonable conversation but not sacrifice your testimony of the truth of Jesus Christ ultimately, right? Normally, we should be able to disagree about all kinds of things as human beings, as people who disagree, not just about religion. Maybe you aren't a Christian and you would disagree with me on those terms. That's fine, but we still should be able to go to coffee or go to a ball game and work together if we happen to work at the same company or if we're neighbors. That ought to be the way it is. And I, the scriptures are very clear that Christians are supposed to be able to not quarrel over things that, especially amongst each other, that don't really matter. That doesn't mean that you don't have an opinion or that you don't participate or that you don't hold to what is ultimately true. And I do think that when it comes to the political system, standing up for the poor and standing up for people who need our help, standing up for people who um, we should be looking out for scripturally, our politics matters and getting the right policy matters. Homeless policy matters, not just as a budgetary issue for the state and not just as an issue for the cleanliness of cities or or the medical system or other things that are systemic. It matters for all of that, but it also matters for humanity, right? It matters how we approach people who are dealing with drugs or alcoholism or who are dealing with depression or mental health or those kinds of things. And it does matter how the government interacts, especially in our country where we have a say whenever we get to vote. It matters. We should be involved with that and we should be thinking about policy. Those are the kinds of debates that I really wish would happen. I wish that we got to see these candidates, any of them on all sides, really get grilled about the different policies and the different things that they would actually do, or in this case, where you have two governors who have actually done things. You know, governors tend to get elected more than anybody else to uh, the presidency. And the reason why is because they actually do have a record. They have the ability to govern because they're sort of, um, you know, they're a chief executive of a state. They have to deal with a state house. They nominate judges. A lot of it's the same work uh, in a way. Uh, They don't have as much foreign policy, but they have to do interstate stuff, and there's some foreign uh, things that they do. They don't lead a military, and there's other things that are – although they can – you know, they release the National Guard, and there's things, but they don't go to war. There are things that a president does that governors don't, obviously. But we tend to do better with governors because they have a track record coming in. We, We tend to have better substantive debate because of that, because they've actually made decisions that they have to hold to. I'd like to see these guys be held to the fire for whatever decisions they've made and defend it or say, you know, I wish I hadn't made that decision if they've changed their mind. That's the trouble with when it's senators or, you know, people in Congress or people who haven't done anything is is they have a voting record. But the reason you vote for or against things is sometimes not because of that particular issue. It's because there's something in the bill you really want, even though you reject most of it. Or there's something in the bill you don't want. And so you reject something that is generally something you support. But because of the way the bill's written, you didn't vote for it. And then you don't really have responsibility. I think that's a lot of our problem as a country is that we – particularly in Washington and in our state houses, we have people who aren't really accountable for things. Anyway, all that's to say that. So, but you know, when it comes down to the conversations we have, you know, the scriptures have some interesting things to say 
Um, by the way, this is Pastor Scott Show. You can call me and join the conversation, 888-528-2557. How have you been able to have cordial conversation, productive conversation with somebody you disagree with about some sort of trivial issue or some serious issue, but like a non-biblical issue? Because that's, that's one of the things that I think you, know, you really see this. In the book of Romans, which maybe is uh, one of the most important, certainly one of the most important books of all the New Testament you should read and study. Romans 14, you have this period of time where you um, have all this doctrine in the beginning of Romans, it really matters, and then it's going to end with a discussion about missions and things. And then you have this chapter 14, and it says, except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. And you'll see different places where we are instructed about different things. Uh, Titus 3, 9, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law for they're unprofitable and worthless. You know, these things are about typically, biblically, in the context of them, the the problem of personal issues of morality um, and personal issues about uh, the world today that are sort of not spelled out very clearly in Scripture, okay? There are absolute issues that are clear in Scripture. Thou shalt not steal, okay? There is no biblical argument in favor of stealing, all right? Thou shalt not commit adultery. I've had four people, four, four times as a pastor where I had somebody come to me and say, I'm having, I'm committing adultery, and the Lord has blessed it in my case. I had one time where they came to my office and they said, we're having an adulterous affair and we want to let you know about it, Pastor, but what we want to do is pray about it and uh, and seek the Lord's guidance. And I said, we don't have to pray about that at all. I'm not going to pray about that. I already have the Lord's guidance. Don't commit adultery. This is wrong. This, you know, it was, <laughs> but, you know, there are certain things that are not actually disputable, but there's a lot of things in life, right, that are disputable. In the political world, we dispute uh, lots of things. Taxation, how do we tax people? We, we dispute what do we spend money on, what do we don't? There's a lot of reasonable things to dispute. Um, in our own life, and our churches, and our businesses, there's lots of things that you can dispute and disagree with. And if you do it in a healthy way, it's a good thing, because usually what can come out of it is something really, really good. How do you do that when you want to make the best of it. If you have a disagreement in your home or in your workplace, or if it's about politics, just with friends, without tearing apart friendships and relationships, how do you do that? Um, and make sure that you keep the main thing, the main thing. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is the number. Don in Playa Vista, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Uh, yes, yeah, Scott. Um I think you raised a pretty explosive subject here, um, if you want to look at the homeless um, yeah. crisis from the political angle. Because the point I wanted to make was that uh, Jimmy Carter was an outspoken evangelical, but uh, boy, did people want to get rid of him. And Rosalind Carter expanded the, um, if not established, a lot of the mental health institutions in the country that when Ronald Reagan came in, he emptied them off to save money, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. That started the homeless crisis. And then it was exacerbated by, among other things, Republican policies allowing the breakdown of the barrier between commercial and investment banks so that uh, residential homes could now be investment properties, that the speculation could drive up the price. And and now people can't afford to, to buy a home. Whereas before, the focus was upon getting people in a home. You know, and, Don. Uh, so so to get us to get matter. us back to the point, how do you argue with somebody then effectively and stay friends if they don't agree with you at all? 
on that, for example. Oh, well, well, that takes a, a you know it takes a lot of curiosity and honesty. I mean, Jesus said, "You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." Mm-hmm. So, if people really want to know the truth, they they will be open to many points of view and all that to get to the bottom of what is the problem, rather than just listening to sloganeering and talking points from a particular political party. Yeah. Um, you, it's, it's a big challenge. Are there things that are, like in the in the course of your relationships with people you know or your neighbors that might agree or disagree with you, are there things that just don't matter where you sort of say, oh, I see your point and you let it go? Is, you know, when it comes to the truth, there are things that maybe we don't know the truth about where there are different appoint, uh, you know, opinions and maybe it doesn't matter, spiritually speaking. Well, yeah, some subjects are obviously... Subjects have a gradation of importance, you know, and what's important, what's the hill to die on type thing. Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, everything, if someone is really ignorant of something, I, I think it's legitimate if they're a friend especially to just point out some things. You don't have to get confrontational about it, but you can mention some things to try to raise their awareness of uh, that there's a more maybe than meets the eye, you know. Uh, I, I am really big on the idea of more dialogue and more discussion mm-hmm. uh, rather than this, this um, pitch battle type of dis- divisiveness that we are known for because we're supposed to be peacemakers. I mentioned that in the last time I called about being those uh, are the peacemakers and Jesus Christ being the Prince of Peace, that we're supposed to be reconciling warring parties rather than trying to gain political power to force our views on other people. If we're doing our job right, we should be drawing people by the truth of what we're saying if they're interested in the truth. Because if not, they're not really a candidate for the kingdom of God. And we have to be interested and open to the idea that we might be incorrect, right, and be able oh, to listen to, to other people. And I think absolutely. we have to be able to to drop it if it's not if it's taking us away from ultimately our our ability to let people know about Christ. And that is, I think, one of the things that you've got with with the scriptures. It's part of the package. You know, I mean, it's all about the truth that makes you free. So, you know, you have to be wise in terms of how, when to uh, bring up an issue, when to press it, when to let go. uh, When, when I I try to just try to plant a seed in people's minds and then hope that they will think about it or, you know, seek God about it or study about it or whatever, you know, to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. All right, Don, thanks for calling the uh, Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Donna in Covina, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, Pastor Scott. I hope you're having a blessed day. I am. Um, I want to say thank you because I think that what you said um, earlier when you just started off was absolutely true, that there are I mean, Jesus Christ is over and sovereign over every single phase of uh, our country and the world, right? Mm-hmm. Over over government and politics, over education, over everything. And there are some things. I agree with the um, caller before in the sense that we have to try to keep keep peace and to and to have dialogue but i do think there are other things that christ wants us to quote unquote die over and i mean i think that we can do that also through our actions i think that for example teaching what they're teaching um in schools to children about their sexuality about some Mm -hmm. of the books (laughs) that are being shown to children 
God wants us to get involved there, you know, for the unborn. He wants us to get involved there. We know certain things, you know, from the Holy Spirit that is within us and from His Word, what is right and what is wrong. And we know the things that we're not to die over, like you said, taxation or or maybe how to help the poor, although I feel there are better there are better things to do than what we've been doing, the same thing over and over. You know, and I think that there needs to be more discussion from the pulpit. I know that a lot of people don't like where I go to church because they say it's too political. But our pastor has said, look, it, I, I'm not Democrat or Republican. I have, I have invited Democrats here as well as Republicans as well as independents to voice their view. But I think a lot of people don't have the scriptural view. And kind of that's not why they're there. And he preaches the truth from the Bible, that we do need to get involved in what's being taught to children. We do need to help the poor. You know, there are, there are certain things that we are supposed to do as Christians. And I think so. there is, a, you know, part of it for me is I agree that you've got to get involved in certain areas, particularly with kids or with the poor and other stuff. It's okay to have the big debate as long as you're pushing towards solution and not just winning political office. Exactly. Right? Because if the whole goal yeah. is just to make your side win, but then you, your side doesn't really do anything about it, well, then you didn't win anything, you know, and Thank I, you. Yes. you know, then it's nothing. Or if you are so stuck in one way, this happens a lot. And this is what one of the things that Paul's actually addressing, really, he's not addressing politics here as much as he's addressing what's happening inside churches, right? Because churches can divide, yeah. you know, over the color of the carpet or different things. Yes. And that's yes. crazy, right? Um, but, you know, it would be interesting to go to a church meeting where they're really having a fierce debate about the best way to communicate the gospel to the neighborhood that the church is sitting in. You know, that would be a much better argument. Or how to really get involved to help the homeless. Let's let's vote, but what do we do in between elections? You know, uh, and something I think positive that's happened with the kids' issues, what's happening in the classrooms, that I think is really important is that parents of all stripes probably don't want their kids to be looking at the pornography. Um, right. and, and they should we be. To, like, bring, and we need, we need to make need sure to we... need to that book home if they don't believe. You know, we need to show them. Yeah, because a lot believe. of people don't Sometimes believe. Not... Yeah, they're shocked when they exactly. find out, oh, that's what, that's what right. that is. Because it, it's, it's, those things are hard to believe. You don't want to believe it. Right. You, know, you don't want yeah. to, and you're like, or you want to say, that's not my school district. Right. Right. I mean, in 2022, almost every incumbent across the country in all parties got reelected. That that's a significant thing about, uh, you know, where we're really at, because we're sort of what what we tend to do is say, you know what, all those people are bad, but my person's okay, so I'm going to vote for them. And then everybody thinks that. So everybody gets reelected and nothing changes. Uh, Donna, thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show. Appreciate it. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. One of the things that you find in your, your ministry life, and I think this translates to things true in the workplace or things that are true uh, for the country, is that you want to keep the main thing the main thing. You probably hear that. It's almost a cliche in, in church life. But I can tell you that the more you keep the main thing the main thing, the more effective you're going to be in your conversation. You know, when, and for Christians, when we can't get along with each other or with the person next door or the people that we work with, uh, if we can't, it's, it gets really hard to sell love your neighbor when we can't love the people who should be easiest to love, right? Um, 
And, you know, love is something that you don't get from rules and uniformity, ultimately. Here's the dress code. Here's the shows you can watch. Here's the practice that you can do. And here's what you can't do and when. Those kinds of things. And you can't get unity by uniformity because people are going to have legitimate different opinions uh, about, you know, things that are not clarified very clear in Scripture. But you can have unity when you keep the main thing the main thing. And that's something new when you think about praying for our country. Maybe you're going to watch this debate tonight and whether or not it's those guys or not who ultimately are the candidates one day. Uh, Both are young. They could be candidates for a long time. Whoever it is, the main thing, the main thing is what is going to move our country forward in the vision for who we are. The same thing is true in our own life, in our church, in our ability to disciple others, where we might fiercely disagree with somebody and we might be right. Often we just think we're right. Maybe we're, we should just listen more, but sometimes we are right. But there is a place where being right over trivial issues doesn't matter. What matters is that the way we are able to conduct that conversation. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can watch us now at kkla.com on our live stream every day. And you can follow me on social media, Facebook X and Instagram by looking for at Pastor Scott Show. So look us up now. Give me a follow at at Pastor Scott Show. I will be back as the Pastor Scott Show Thursday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. I was inspired to think about this because of, you know, in talking about uh, Christians getting along with each other, particularly on disputable matters, but also getting along with your neighbor, your friends, the people that you know in your relational world. Because the most important thing for the Christian is that they are ultimately following Jesus, right? They're making disciples, that they are growing in their faith, but not just for their own personal benefit, for the benefit of the body of Christ as a whole, and so that more people are introduced to the true Jesus without too many other things to get past. And sometimes what we do, and the Bible addresses this because it's not just now. I mean, we do it now, but it's always been done uh, by religious people. In fact, it goes all the way back to uh, even the, the, the time of uh, the Hebrews and the first Israelites. Is, and you had the Torah and you had all these rules that were given by God for how to govern their society, but that wasn't enough. So people wrote to Talmud, and now things are decided for you about how you do certain things. But then we're going to argue about it and develop into different factions and different rabbis who teach different different things about how to wash your goat and how to feed your animals and how to do your, you know, put your clothes together or whatever it is. And uh, the church did that later, too. There used to be, in the Middle Ages, there was a canonical law. So it was the idea that the church has decided how you're supposed to live in regular life. So, you know, and that created a lot more controversy because some people said, well, where does this come from and why should I do that? And you follow different, you know, priests and you follow different people who have different things. And Paul would write about this with the idea that in disputable matters, and we dispute different things, right? Christians do, everybody does. There, there are disputable matters. You should do what your conscience says to do, but you should leave other people alone in certain things right, is that there are things that might be, you might feel very strongly about, but if there isn't chapter and verse very clearly saying thou shalt or thou shalt not, well, 
then, you know, you have to say this is a personal conviction and I believe that I'm right about it. Um, and uh, But another believer might have a different opinion. And for the sake of the gospel ministry, I'm not going to slander and gossip and tear that person down for it. People in Paul's day, they struggled with that. So Paul writes that in the book of Romans, you know, uh, chapter 14, except those, except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Sometimes that person has a disputable matter because they haven't grown. You know, let the Holy Spirit do some work with them. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. Um, people would fight over what you're allowed to eat, what foods you're allowed to eat. What are some things today that we just need to say, hey, this is an area of personal conviction, but... Um, we can't get intolerant of others, particularly inside the church, but even out or, or outside the church, actually both. Um, and, and reminder, when I say live and let live, I'm not talking about clear biblical morality, right? Like I said in the last segment, I'm not talking about, oh, I'm committing adultery and I have no problem with that because I think somehow Jesus would be okay with this. No, of course not. Uh, it's not your choice. The Bible actually speaks to that. It's transcultural, by the way. Everybody knows that's wrong. There's no gray area. And when people say that it's not wrong, they are creating something that no culture actually believes, right? It's always been there. Thou shalt not steal. Well, everybody knows it's wrong to take stuff that's not yours. And once in a while, you'll hear some argument that says it's okay to steal. Well, you know, is it okay to steal an apple if you're starving? You know, you can get that kind of argument. But obviously, we're not talking even about that. We're talking about, you know, don't go steal a car. Don't go to the CVS and wipe them out. Don't do whatever it is you're going to do. Don't steal people's um, money financially because you have some ability to do that. The Bible, though, talks to areas where we have a personal conviction and, you know, there are certain things that we have to agree on, but there are a lot of areas that are at best gray or sometimes there's there's not. You know, and, you know, example is we talk about schools. I have real strong opinions about schools and and what you ought to do the best you can as kids. My kids, James and John, they're 14 and 11. And, you know, I am more and more fierce about what in the world are they getting involved with? Who are the parents that they're going out with? What are they going to see? And what happens when parents have different values than you? What happens when the school has different values than you? And that can happen with public school. Obviously, we have major issues with that, but it can happen within your private Christian school, too. Uh, Sometimes uh, there's just different ideas. How do you do this? Um, There are lots of things. So whenever my kids were getting ready to go into schools, I started asking questions. You know, what do you do as a parent? You know, what are the things that uh, uh, matter to you the most? Boy, people have different strong opinions. I'll bet if we just open it up, I'd say, what's better, private school, public school, or homeschooling? Lots of different opinions. You know, I had somebody say to me, uh, we're homeschooling our kids. And this is what they said. They said, we are not sending our kids over to the devil's house to be taught. Okay. <laughs> you know, that, that that's where they're coming from. Um, and other people say, I'm not going to homeschool my kids because they won't develop uh, socially. And so I'm going to do the private school uh, with that. You know, there's so many different things. But there, some people can't do one or the other thing. And there's no biblical instruction that says thou shalt do public, private, homeschool or whatever. And these, what happens is with a lot of these things, we canonize our opinions on things. And then that's where we get really divided. It can become a really huge deal, right? Um, to vaccinate or not to vaccinate. Uh, to put on a mask or not put on a mask. What movies can you go to? What's the limit? Can you go to rated R movies or not? Can you go to PG-13, PG? What do those ratings even mean anymore? Can I watch cable TV? Should I even subscribe to that? 
Uh, look in your concordance. Look under television and movies. See if you find that in your biblical concordance. You know, um, somewhere, you know, we get in the, should, should women wear a dress or slacks to church? Are there some churches that have a problem with that one way or the other? Yeah. I knew of a church that actually didn't like long hair on men. And so what they did was they put a barber chair. No joke. They put a barber chair in the back of the church. And if you wanted to go there and your hair was below that collar, you'd sit in that barber chair and they'd cut it right off. Uh, (laughs) You know, was the barber a good barber? Probably not. If they were a good barber, it might be worth going in there and just saying, oh, I've been rebellious and get yourself a free haircut. Um, But... uh, you know, that's really taking it pretty far. I, for my wedding, and I was at a really big church on staff at a really big church when I got married. And a lot of interesting things related to all of that. Who do you invite and who do you not invite? If you're the pastor of a small church, well, then, uh, you know, you can invite everybody. and it's, it's a burden, but not that big a deal. But if you're at a really big church, well, then there's hundreds of people who might want to show up to your wedding. How do you deal with that? Uh, so we navigated all that kind of things. Well, the church had a no dancing rule. Okay, fine. There's a lot of reasons, you know, for, for different things. Um, but I asked one of the pastors, I said, well, we didn't even want to have like a dance with a DJ and all of that. But what we said was, can I have a first dance with my wife? And uh, can I dance with my mom and can Christy dance with her dad? And we'll just do that. Mother, father dance, and then uh, first dance with uh, my wife. And the great pastor at the church, he said, you know, we have no rule about a husband dancing with his wife. Okay, so we left it at that. We threw the dance in there. We go off on our honeymoon. And then I found out that while we were gone, there was this panic about did Pastor Scott create a controversy in our church because he danced with his wife. Now, the truth was there was no controversy. Nobody cared. Zero people complained. Zero. It's kind of an old thing, I think, for a lot of people. There's obviously some dancing you wouldn't do, right? Uh, But people have different opinions about all of that. But, I mean, there was apparently tremendous worry about all of that. Um, See, this is the kind of thing that really can distract um, from the gospel. And yet there are some things where, you know, there are pretty good reasons why you might do something or not. What do you think? 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Dawn in Beverly Hills, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Yeah, hi, Pastor Scott. Okay, my question is this. You know, I go to a church. Um, I'm not going to stay there long, but I have been there about two and a half years. And, um, you know, they they believe that homosexuality is not a sin, and they actually have a pastor that is a practicing homosexual claiming to be married to a woman there it's two women of course that's not biblical and you know i don't engage with disputing it to anybody's face but on the prayer cards i write a big dispute on it mm-hmm. you does, know and send it in does anybody write you back uh, uh no no they don't yeah no they don't so i you know you could sit there and never engage with anybody for two or three years if you want to. Uh, it's that kind of a formal, whatever you want to call it. Right. And, you know, so I do engage in in the writing of this, saying that this is a sin. This is not what the Lord Jesus um, is for. And, you know, so I do do that. Uh, but, you know, this... this I don't get that they're going to change anything. They're set on this. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, this is how it is. Well, and clearly and it's at the I, it's at the staff level, so it's not even just a discussion about who can come here yeah. and who can't, right? You know, That's right. There's a couple of things I would keep in mind. Number one, the the Bible when it talks about sexual immorality, Old and New Testament, mm-hmm. it's always referring to not just homosexuality, but anything that is sex outside of a man, one man and one woman in the family as as a married couple. And a, you know, a mistake that a lot of churches do is they'll separate out homosexuality or something, but they'll you know they'll they'll say no, we can't have gay people uh here, but they'll take the guy who's been divorced 17 times because he gives a lot of money and put him on the board, right? Uh mm-hmm. you have to keep in mind that and be humble that we all fall short in this area. But yeah. the the second thing is the Bible is actually very very clear on that. Um this is not a I would not say this is scripturally a disputable matter. And so the second thing really is that mm-hmm. if churches that are on that page it's more about the fact that they're rejecting what the Scripture says authoritatively. And so then I would ask, well, what else do they reject, you know, authoritatively mm-hmm. from the Scripture? And it breaks mm-hmm. down, because as soon as you say the Scripture doesn't say what it says, well, then you can take apart anything you want. Then maybe Jesus didn't really die, or maybe he and the Father are not one, or maybe the, uh, you know, uh, he's not the only way to heaven, those kinds of things. And it breaks down. So my sense is it would be, you're right, the church— you know, in love, you should say, I'm leaving. This is the reason you need to repent and find a church that believes the Bible's true and does their best to follow that. That'd be my my thing. I got to go to a break. I thank you for your call, Don. And uh, this is Pastor Scott Show. will be back with your calls, 888-528-2557. Be right back. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. Good to be with you today as it is each and every day from 3 to 5, 888-528-2557. Isaac in Los Angeles, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you, Pastor Scott. Do you remember me? Uh, are you the YouTube guy? Yeah, that's All right. All right, yeah, okay. All right, how you doing, Isaac? I, it's amazing. I was standing there, and I, I, had, I did not kid you. I had just played a prayer because I got off the phone about an hour or so ago with my piano player, my friend. Uh, he moved to Michigan. And uh, I was telling him that uh, 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 my brother, who passed away about a month ago, and I went to my brother's funeral. My brother was not saved. So I, I preached the way the Holy Spirit told me to preach, and I, um, I, I gave an invitation for people to receive the Lord. Now, his mother-in-law died a while back, and uh, he told, called me and said I was invited to come to her funeral, but I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't come preaching. If I'm going to preach, don't come. So I didn't go. Yeah, so okay. my question yeah go ahead. Is this, my question is this. Um, I um, uh, feel like um, uh, people at a funeral, uh, if you're preaching a funeral, you should give an invitation for people to receive the Lord. If there, there, there are people there that would not be saved. It could be some of the last uh, time to hear the gospel. And I don't have any problem with uh, extending the invitation for people to receive Jesus. He got very upset about it and said that I shouldn't shouldn't do that at a funeral. What do you think? Uh, Well, you know, on that issue, um, I've done a lot of funerals. And uh, I can't think of one where somehow I didn't get the gospel in there. But sometimes it was very much... uh, 
Uh, I'm going to tell you it and I'm going to invite you. And then sometimes a family doesn't really want you to do that. Or it can bring up uh, – it's really difficult subject because when you're thinking about death, you're going to think – you've got a room full of people thinking about what happens next. Is there an afterlife? Is there heaven and hell, right? You you have a room full right. of people who are thinking about that. So there are other ways to – you know, what I would usually do is I would say I come from the Christian tradition, right? And I would say this is what we believe and uh, this is what – uh, I think is is really important, and I would put stuff in there too that whoever the d- person who died is, you know, we don't really know where they are. Only God knows their heart. That brings some comfort, you know, one way or the other. Um, but you know your heart, right? There's a way to do it um, that I think respects the wishes of the family, but also respects the fact that this is the question for human beings. Yeah. Right is yeah. where are we going to spend eternity. You gotta you gotta have that somewhere. And at a funeral, people are thinking about it, even if they don't want to. And there are people out there that will go to hell uh, unless we 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 minister to them. And uh, I don't understand why people wouldn't give the invitation, like you said, tactfully, lovingly, being led by the Holy Spirit. I don't understand. I went to Natalie Cole's funeral, mm. and it was packed, and they didn't give the invitation. Uh, for, and I said to the guy afterwards who was presiding, I said, you didn't invite people to receive the Lord. He got very angry at me, Phil. Well, we don't do that. Yeah. I, I just thought, well, you know, sometimes, sometimes Isaac, and I, I want to go on to another call here too, but sometimes you just say, see me afterward. I didn't always give like an invitation, but I'd say, hey, if you've got questions about heaven and hell, life and death, Christian point of view on this, and, and I would, I would wait around and I would say almost every time somebody stayed to talk with me, and sometimes it was a lot of somebody's. So you don't always have to, there's nothing in the Bible, like in what we're talking about here is uh, things that the Bible doesn't explicitly say you have to do or not do, that we can't get into disputes about that because it takes us away from the main issue. You know, the Bible never says thou shalt have an altar call at a funeral, right? I'll let you go. It says, preach the word in season and out of season. Do not hide your light on the bushel. If you're ashamed to confess me before men on earth, I'd be ashamed to confess you before my Father in heaven. Yeah. And, you know, that's where I, where I believe, because the, the gospel, when you do it in love, it's always appropriate. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you have to have a formal altar call. You can say, come see me afterward, and then it's sort of the it same does. thing. It's just it's not part of the service. Does it that does. make sense? If you want the timing of the Lord, if the Lord says, there are people out there that, that, that are going to go to hell if you don't give this. Yeah, give but if the Lord is leading them to Christ, they'll come see you afterward. It's the same thing. Yeah, but still, we want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You do. All right. Hey, Isaac, appreciate it. I And uh, yeah. uh, I appreciate your care for people with all of that. It does matter, and thank you for that. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is the number. I did a funeral once where some guy got up, one of my favorite funerals. He was not a believer, the person who died. His brother got up, and his brother says, this funeral's in this church. It was in Sacramento. And a beautiful old church downtown. And uh, brother says, you know, we're in a church, and I don't feel like we should lie about this, so let's just admit something. He's in hell right now. (laughs) And then he went on to tell stories, wild stories about this guy's life and the women and the drugs and the drinking and all. And people had it. It was hilarious, actually. People laughed, and they had a good time. And, you know, and then I came up right after him, and I was able to say, you know, 
the truth is, is we don't know for sure where he is because we don't know that at some point in his last days, he didn't accept Christ. We don't know that he didn't hear the gospel at some point at summer camp and uh, just had walked away from it, but remembered that the Lord, uh, that Jesus died for his sins. We don't really know. And, you know, it, it was a great opening uh, to all of that. And it took the tension out of the room because sometimes when you're doing a funeral for somebody who's pretty wild, you know, people do have those those thoughts. But you have you have the grace of God that is so powerful and that is so uh, magnificent to hear that, you know, I don't have to earn salvation. It was earned for me. And there is forgiveness of sins. And you still have to believe it in your heart. You still have to be truthful. You can't just say a bunch of words, you know, you, the Lord will know your heart there, but it's a, it's a beautiful and comforting thing when you do it well. Uh, 888-528-2557. Randy in San Pedro, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. God bless you, brother. How are you? I'm fine. How are you, Randy? I am fine, thank you. I'm on the freeway driving, so I'm only going about 10 miles an hour, but uh, my brain is racing. So uh, I am a church elder, been a longtime church elder, and I'm getting married for the first time in two months, and I just got into the car and actually going to pick up my uh, my fiance's wedding ring that had to be refitted. So I turned on the car radio and I heard you talking about inviting people to your wedding. I'm sort of going through that a little bit myself. Uh-huh. Um, you know, about do I open it up to the whole church or not? Um, I'm really looking for Christian bakers or Christian photographers. And I know as salesmen, people say whatever, but my if you have anything to insight on that or phone numbers, that'd be great for Christians in the Long Beach area. But my real question really is, so I'm going to be moving out to the Palmdale area, and it's about an hour and 45 minutes from my church. Okay. I'm not quite sure if I'm going to be able to continue my duties and make it to church every Sunday. Right. And I would hate to give up being an elder and not be able to go to that church all the time, but I want to be a church every Sunday. So it's a little bit of a <laughs> dilemma that I'm bouncing things around in a committee in my brain. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's sort of hard. It's, it's, it's like a, as an analogy, a drug and alcohol counselor, they don't know who to talk to about their problems because everyone that, that comes to them, they're like an authoritative figure. So there's really no one at my church that I could bring this bring this to, and I heard you mention that on your show, so here I am. So, so you've got a couple of questions. One is, do you uh, stop going to the church you're an elder at because you're moving away? Correct. And the other one or is... I only go a couple times a, a month. And the other one is, how in the world do you invite people to your wedding if you can't invite the whole place? Right. Right. And... Well, yeah, you know, on the wedding one, the first thing to keep in mind is mature people know that not everybody has to be invited. And if people are mad that they're not invited and they don't really know you, you know, you wouldn't invite them anyway. It's kind of their problem, but you can do it in love. Now, what we did was we had an open wedding. Everybody can come to the wedding, but not everybody was open, was invited to the reception. I think we did a small Costco cake or something. Here, here's some cake. Thanks for coming. But then we had a regular reception for people that we knew later. And that worked, I think, just fine. To, and I'm running out of time here. To get to your other question, you know, you're moving far away. My thought is you should be in a local church, and Palmdale is not local to Orange County. Um, and, you know, if God has called you to serve as an elder in that kind of role, then he's going to call you to that eventually in your new church. Um, and that doesn't mean you can't go back and visit. 
but if you can't really be there, and plus you're ministering now to people who are not in your community, you're moving to a new community, and I think that God will call you to serve that community, and Palmdale needs you. That would be my thought. That doesn't, you know, you're not leaving friendships. You know, you're still friends. You can go visit and go to church, but eventually, you're going to want to be active in a church that's in your community. I think that matters. I think that the local church matters. Well, uh, I'm actually in charge of the nomination committee for the new year. We're meeting on Sunday morning for before church, <laughs> and so I got to bring this to them. Yeah, you know, I'd let them know. I mean, you can you can you know make something where you leave slowly. Hey, I'll, I'll put a date on it. You know, six months, I'm going to have to be gone. We're going to have to replace me in that period of time or whatever you say. Um, my view is, though, that people should find a church that is a, within reasonable uh, traveling range where they can show up personally. Like another issue these days, and, and thank you for calling, Randy. Another issue these days is, is it okay to join a church that's across the country because I can go online these days? Um, my thought is, it's fine to watch some other church, but you need to go to a church that's in your community and serve there and give there and get to know people there and pray for people there and be prayed for by people there. I think that matters, and uh, uh, that's a really big deal. Uh, once again, that's probably a disputable matter, as we were talking about this hour, but um, I think it makes sense. That would be my advice to you, Randy. Mindy, I won't get to your call today. We are about done here. When we come back, we'll talk about in the next hour, uh, you know, the idea that I think matters a lot for every stage in life, including in politics and other things, is the idea of taking the log out of your own eye. And uh, Republicans are getting ready to do that and remove one of their own from Congress. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. And plus... You know, how do you feel about phony baloney AI writers writing in magazines or maybe doing sermons or other things um, for you? You know what I mean by uh, uh, by uh, AI? Oh, shoot, I have a clip for it, and I'm, I'm not seeing it. But anyway, we'll, we'll get to that when we come back. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can get the any hour of our show if you miss it by looking for the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Look for the Pastor Scott Show wherever you get your podcast. Click subscribe. Send it to friends. We appreciate that very, very much if you do that. Plus, you can follow me on social media at Pastor Scott Show, Facebook, X, and Instagram. We'll be back with Hour 2 as the Thursday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 